Well, hey there, safety friends. I know that we always talk about changing behaviors, and I truly believe that understanding how behaviors are formed and change is crucial to being successful in safety management. But today, what I want to do is give you six practical tips, almost in a step-by-step process, that you can try out starting today to change the behaviors in your workplace and get your people working safer. Let's get to it. Hey there, safety friends. Welcome to the Safety Geek Podcast. I'm Bryce Sargent, CSP and 20-year safety professional. After spending years training safety leaders across the globe for a large corporation and creating safety programs from the ground up over and over again, I am now sharing my processes and strategies with you. At The Safety Geek, you will learn how to manage an effective safety program that increases your management support and employee engagement, all the while helping you elevate your position and move up in your career. If you're ready to step into the role of a safety influencer and leader, you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Today, I wanted to give you six practical tips that you can start trying out today. They're almost like in a step-by-step process to start changing the behaviors in your workplace and get them working safer. But before we get started, if we haven't met yet, my name is Bry Sargent. I'm a CSP and I am a total safety geek. I have been working in the safety profession for over 25 years. And now I spend all of my time coaching and training workplace safety managers just like you how to create effective and efficient safety programs to help them advance their careers. Now, before we can actually talk about changing behaviors, first, we need to identify the behaviors that we want to change. And this means getting very specific. So you can't just say, hey, I want people to lift properly. What specifically do you want them to do? You know, you want them to approach the item straight on. You want them to grab it firmly with two hands. Maybe you want them to bend their knees and bow out their back and then lift in a singular fluid motion, keeping the product close to their body, right? Those are the very specific behaviors that you might be looking for. So what I want you to do is look at your data and clearly articulate the correct behavior that you want to see for whatever you want to use to try out this method of changing behaviors. Next, before we can get started, you need to have a baseline. We need to know our starting point, right? So if you're trying to change a behavior, how do you know the technique that you're using is actually working? So let's get a baseline on how they are currently doing before you even try any of these tactics, okay? So do an assessment on the current behavior in your workplace. I know that I've talked about assessments before. So if you need some help on that, I'll link to the episode, the podcast, or the blog post that I have done on assessments previously. So go check that out. Now, here's the thing about behavior change. Behavior change is different based on the person and the situation. I can't just give you one tactic to change behaviors and it's gonna work for everybody. So what you need to do is like try things out for different people. Now, there are ways to change behavior that may change multiple people's behaviors. So the idea is that we start with the techniques that will change the most behaviors and then we narrow it down and get down to the one-on-one of like what specifically would get them to change, okay? So 
out of all of these techniques I'm giving you, what you need to do is just try one, measure the results against your baseline and identify who isn't changing their behavior and then try a different tactic on those people who haven't changed their behavior. So for example, let's say that you use my proper lifting as an example and you do an assessment and your assessment shows that 70% of the time they are, you know, moving their feet while they're transporting their load, you know, whatever it happens to be. If they lift something up and they go to put it down, they're not twisting while they're lifting, they actually move their feet. Let's use that as our tip. So you follow these steps and then you go back and measure it. And now you can see that half the people are doing it and half the people aren't. So know who those half are so that way you can try the next tip and go, hey, did this work on those people? So when you go do your next measurement, you just measure those people, right? So the whole idea is just to kind of get an idea of what's working and identify who's changing behavior and who's not, and not to pinpoint them out. And it's more of like for a measurement. So that way, you know whether or not something is working. Because you don't just want to throw spaghetti at the wall and hope that something sticks. You want to actually know like this technique worked, because if it works with whatever behavior you're testing, like proper lifting, it'll likely work for lockout tagout. It'll likely work for machine guarding. It'll likely work for hazard communication. Whatever safe work practice you're doing, you can then have a process of how you actually get those behaviors to change. All righty. So that's all your pre-work. You got to have your specific behavior. You got to have your baseline results. And you have to understand how we're measuring success. All right. So tip number one or tactic number one, what you're going to do is first make sure everybody is trained on the correct behavior. I know you've been doing training for a while. You've been like training out the wazoo in order to get them to change their behavior and they're not. But let's kind of make a twist on this training. Let's do some training that is done in a very memorable way. And I do have a document on this that you can find in the all access resource page. If you're on my email list, you have access to that page. If you aren't on my email list, just go to the safetygeek.com forward slash five ways. And I'll send you a link to that page, but it's on there and it's called like something about the five ways to make people crazy for safety or something like that. It's got a funky name, but in it is ways to actually make your training memorable. So what you don't want to do is say, Hey, I've trained them because I showed them this video or I trained them because I showed them this PowerPoint. You need to do something that's like role playing. Role playing is one of the key ways to make your training memorable. We all hate to do it, but it's actually one of the best training techniques out there. You can also do physical examples of what you're wanting them to do. Like taking them out, if we're doing lifting, taking them out to where they would be lifting the product and do an example of them lifting the product properly or any shocking demonstrations. So you see this with fall protection a lot, hazard communication, things like that, where you can do some shocking demonstrations that, hey, you have to do it this way or this awful thing can happen or this surprising thing can happen. Whenever you make your training memorable, it's a lot easier to change that behavior because one of the reasons people stick in their old ways is not just complacency, but it's just habit. And in order to change the habit, you have to get them to change that belief and they have to see things in a different way. So you just going on and on with a toolbox talk or a PowerPoint or anything like that is not going to get them to change. So switch something up in your training, 
make it memorable. And that would be tip one. And then after you do that, do a measurement to see how well that behavior change stuck. Okay. Now tip number two, I want you to select two, one or two employees and ask them to do a follow-up training. So let's say that you were doing a proper lifting demonstration training, and then you were measuring your results. You would pick one or two people, preferably people that didn't change their behavior, and ask them to lead a follow-up training. This would be something that they would do maybe at their pre-shift meeting, at a, at a team meeting, at warm-up for work time, something where everybody's together. You give them all the tools to be successful. You talk them through it. You stand by them as they do it, but you want employees to actually give this training and ask them to share stories like things they've heard or things they've experienced. So have a little discussion with them beforehand. It only has to be, you know, a five to 10 minute training. But when you have employees do it, it switches your training up. But then guess what? These two employees that hadn't changed their behavior, they're now teaching it. And one of the best ways to change a belief is to actually teach the new belief. It's almost like the best way to learn something is to teach it. Well, the reason why is because in order for you to teach it, you're having to internalize all that information. So now you've at least switched two people, but those people are more influential than you because they're just like the people that they're talking to. So that's tip number two. All right. Next is you should be doing regular assessments. If you're a member of Safety Management Academy, you know that is something I preach in there all the time that is your best tool. But what you want to do is make sure that you are sharing those results of the assessment. So you focus your assessments on whatever behavior change you're currently working on and you split your assessments up by either department or area. So that way you're automatically creating little teams and little pockets of teams. And then when you share the results, it's automatically going to create a competition with the employees that are in there. They're going to see these results. Maybe you post them in on a bulletin board. You post them on a monitor. Maybe I used to put them on little table tents in the break room, wherever it happens to be. You post those results. People automatically see like, wow, my department's getting a C grade, but that area is getting an A grade. And then if you update those results regularly, because you're doing assessments regularly, it's going to start that competition thing that's in our brains because humans love competition, believe it or not. Everybody does. Even the people that say, oh no, I don't like to compete because I'm one of those people I don't like to compete. I compete against myself, right? I'm like that. But when you start seeing it out there everywhere, you automatically are like, well, I don't want to be the one that's going to bring my team down. So I'm going to make sure I do that behavior. So you get a little of fear of missing out. You get a little of, you know, like, hey, I don't want to be the bad guy in it. So try that out and then afterwards measure your results and see how it's going. And you should be measuring them because you're sharing the results all the time. All right, (laughs) tip number four, I want you to go out and find some horror stories. I want you to find where this poor behavior actually resulted in somebody getting seriously injured or hurt. You can scour OSHA, you can scour lawyer websites, you can scour Google. There's always gonna be stories somewhere of somebody who was in something shocking, some sort of shocking accident where they got a lawsuit or there was a big OSHA fine that could be related to the same behavior that you're trying to get them to change. So for example, in my workplace where this worked really, really well was 
having them, um, the way that they loaded the trailers and getting a pedestrian walkway, we weren't having pedestrian incidents. So nobody really thought much about it, but it was something I was nervous about. And I shared a story of how a worker actually got asphyxiated because they got squished between two pallets and the forklift operator never even knew there was a person there. And when I shared that story and all I did was share a link to it and I kind of put a summary in the newsletter and I shared it with the supervisors for them to share at their pre-shift meetings. Everybody's eyes opened up like I never even thought that could happen. And it was a very similar workplace. So it ended up hitting home a little bit more. So if you can find something that's in your same industry, that works really well too. Doesn't have to be like super devastating. Even if you can find somebody who was like, hey, I lifted improperly all my life and now I'm in my 40s and I can barely walk. And this is why. So you'll find those blogs and those stories out there if you search hard enough for them. So share those and having those shared stories actually gets people to change their beliefs, which will automatically get them to change their behavior. Now, at this point in these four tactics that I've shared with you, we're pretty much addressing like big scale. You're you're doing it with everybody. It's to get the low hanging fruit of behavior change, I guess you can say. But now I want to give you a couple tips on getting the stragglers because you're always going to have a couple stragglers that just refuse to change what they're doing, right? So tip number five is creating a small working group on safety issues. So it's almost like my episode where, where we talked about creating a Kaizen. So create a small work group and say, hey, I want you guys to review the safety issues. You can tell them the goal is to stop blaming the person, right? Because that's what everybody does. It's an attribution error. We automatically blame the person as being doing something wrong instead of the situation that created them to do that behavior. And then we want them to see the behavior as an issue. So that's that's what you kind of like put in their minds as they're looking at everything. You go, hey, we want to stop blaming the person. We want to look at what behavior and why did they do that behavior and how can we make sure they don't do those behaviors. So it's not necessarily like an accident investigation where you're like, what can we as a company do to stop accidents from happening, which is usually an engineering control or something like that. It's about figuring out why somebody does a behavior, right? So then what you have them do in this small working group is review accidents that are related to that behavior and ask them without seeing the accident investigation to come up with their own root causes and their own corrective actions related to behavior. Like, why did they do this behavior? You can also have them, instead of doing accident reviews, you can have them review JHAs that are related to the behavior and say, look, you know, we're not sure if these JHAs are working or if they're accurate. This is the goal of a JHA. Can you please review it and update it? You can work with them on developing training or awareness materials or improvement programs. You can show them the trending data and say, hey, we as a small Kaizen, we want to work on creating improvement programs, right? And the idea is that the people that you have in this group are a mixture of like half the people that aren't doing it right, maybe half the people that are doing it right. So you get them working together as a team to try to get those stragglers that are still doing the behavior. You can even share assessment results with them and say, how can we improve these assessment results, right? And the last tip to get those stragglers is one-on-one coaching. It is literally going up to each individual person and talking to them as an equal. And discussing with them like what you're worried about, 
what you're seeing. And maybe even at this point, it might be like the fairness that everybody else is doing it right and they're not. But what I like to share with them is like other people are watching you. You're likely experienced, especially if it is an experienced person, you're likely experienced, you're likely going to be fine, but other people are watching you and they're learning from you. So wouldn't it be awful if somebody followed your lead and they got hurt? That type of thing. You see this a lot with senior employees that have been there for a long time, you know, the 20, 30 years. And they're so experienced. And to them, they're like, oh, those accidents are going to happen. These cuts are going to happen. People are going to break fingers or strain backs, you know. But getting them to understand that that doesn't have to be the case anymore. Our technology is way better. But people are watching you. (laughs) You know, you might not be worried if you break a finger, but a 20-year-old is. And then another trick that I like to do in my one-on-one coaching is saying, hey, I'd love for you to try it for a day. Just all I'm asking you is try it for a day or try it for two hours, right? And then I'm going to come back and check in with you. So this works really well with proper lifting because so many people think that the way they're lifting is more efficient and easier and all of that. But what they don't realize is it's causing them to go home tired and sore and in pain. And that just builds up over time. So when you get them to try it your way, maybe moving things further apart to force them to take the steps and not twist or have them take that extra time and they realize like they were just as productive as always, maybe even more so, and they felt better at the end of the day. They weren't as tired, right? So doing that, like, please just try it and then let me check in with you. Okay, then now try it for two days and let me check in. And you could be my case study as if this procedure works, right? You can even play in those words with them. It's like, hey, as you're doing this, I'm recording all of this down because you're my case study for me to help develop training for new employees, (laughs) whatever it happens to be. So those are six steps. And and as you can see, even though they're all individual tactics, I kind of feel like they play together in a process, you know, training, follow-up training, assessments, you know, getting employees more involved. And honestly, there's tons of ways that you can change behaviors in the workplace. These are just six of them, but it is a very good start to changing behaviors. But what I want you to remember as you are trying this out is that behavior change comes slowly and it comes from a change of an internal belief. This is why some people take forever to change their behaviors and some people, they do it on on a dime, right? It's because it's however quickly that internal belief can change is how quickly the behavior will change. And there is a time for disciplinary action as well. And and yes, you know, giving them right up and holding them accountable to following policies and procedures, it is going to work. It definitely in the short term, all research has shown that negative reinforcement does work in the short term. But the goal is to get them to do their actions safely without a threat, without you being there, without them worried about their job and to keep that positive relationship with that employee. And it only happens when they believe inside their head, like their internal belief is that following your JHA or following your safe work practice is the right way to do it and the best way to do it. So as you're looking at behavior change, you need to always consider, am I creating that internal belief? And am I going to get them to believe the way that I do? 
this is what influencers do. So try it out. I would love to hear how it works for you in the comments. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel yet, be sure that you do. We're trying to get on a schedule of updating every two weeks. So please subscribe and I will see you in the next one. Bye for now. Hey, if you're just getting started in safety or you've been at this for a while and are hitting a roadblock, then I wanna invite you to check out Safety Management Academy. This is my in-depth online course that not only teaches you the processes and strategies of an effective safety management program, but how to entwine management support and employee participation throughout your processes. Are you ready to finally understand exactly what you should be doing and ditch that safety police hat forever? Then you have got to join me and your fellow safety scholars over at Safety Management Academy. Just go to thesafetygeek.com forward slash SMA to learn more and to get started. That's thesafetygeek.com forward slash SMA. And I will see you in our next students only live session. Bye for now.